Um, no. Ah, much better. Now, get ready for an uncivilized discussion about faith. Welcome Welcome to to the the Barbarian Barbarian Prophets. Welcome back, Barbarian Nation. We're so glad you've joined us today. You know, one of the the great things I get to do here in Casper, Wyoming, is uh, teach down at our local uh, mission. And I know when most people think about a mission, uh, they think that they're about a flop house. They think about a place that just uh, creates a soup line and has people pass through it. And at the end of the day, those people are just lucky enough to have a warm place to sleep and a little bit of hot food. And, you know, I have been at this mission for 18 years and uh, uh, doing different things in different sorts uh, because that was always part of my Christian walk. And uh, it wasn't about trying to look like something. It was about trying to step out and actually help people that I have been where they're at. I mean, I've ate out of the garbage can. I get it. I have uh, been down so low that I just couldn't afford anything. Uh, but the one thing we have we're going to talk about today is in Casper, Wyoming, we have the most unique structure of a mission uh, to the point where I'm even uh, I have uh, my upper echelon from the, the North American Lutheran Church coming here in April, and I'll be bringing them through because this is the way missions in every city and community should be looking. So today I am joined by my good friend, Brad. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, Brad, uh, give us a little background on you. Uh, How long have you been with the mission? Oh, man, I tell you, I've always wanted to know a barbarian bird. So this (laughs) this is, uh, I feel like I need to get my paper and get an autograph from you or something. (laughs) But, you know, I've been here for 11 years now and just uh, in in the vineyards. And, you know, thank you for your kind words. I mean, our heart is just for Jesus Christ. Amen. he loved the broken. I mean, you, you see his ministry throughout the Gospels, and he was touching, spending time, and, and alleviating the suffering of just people in, in, right. in, in the margins that, that were so often looked over. And In fact, we hand out a, an award occasionally to partners. I, I should get you one, but uh, <laughs> it's our Good Samaritan Award, you know, who is my neighbor? And right. It's the guy that is just cast aside, right. and that's what we're here for. I, I, excellent. So, you know, when the mission first started, I remember when the mission started. I was still in gang life, et cetera. It started actually back when I was I was in high school, and it was down on CY Avenue. Yes. Right? And Carl and Carl oh my ran gosh. it. Carl House was one. What was, the, what was the other Carl's last name? Well, we had Carl Woolison. Woolison, that, yeah. That brought it uh, to Park Street here, right? Up, and right. and when that thing first started, it was it they could fit like twelve people, and they literally were handing out peter butter sandwiches, and I mean they were doing what they could. They just didn't know how to grow it, and and it was called Souls Anchor. Yes, that's right. And uh, I remember that uh, when they moved over here, we're on Park Street. Yep. And when they moved over here, it was the size of your parking lot now. Mm-hmm. It was just this little bitty building yeah. that uh, uh, I had a team called Holy Joes. Wow. That uh, And the reason I called them Holy Joes is because that's what I used to call Christians when I was making fun of them. So that's what I decided to make fun of myself. <laughs> and uh, we would come down here and serve. Uh, we cool. did it at least once or twice a month. 
And I had right. all these little 80-year-old ladies helping me. Oh. And eventually they aged out. That's why we they were like, Bert, I just can't do it You're anymore. so cute and cuddly. That's why those yeah. 80-year-olds yeah. loved you. It's- yeah, yeah. Well, they were always just, uh, you know, I was the great King Kong. Look what we have captured. Let's hope he doesn't eat us, you know. That, that was the key thing. And I remember that as the mission. And I would come in here and uh, I asked Dave at one point, because he was the only one I really knew down here. And I said, Dave, can I can I teach down there? And he said, uh, Yeah. When can you do it? So I started doing it in the evenings. Cool. And um, so I, but I, it started drawing gang members and all kinds mm-hmm. of people from the street that would come in for that that weren't staying at the mission because there really wasn't room. Yeah. Right. But then I remember when you came, and that's where I'm getting to, mm-hmm. is when you came. I remember this place was. It was at capacity. It was at what it could handle, and it was doing the best that it could, et cetera. But one thing I've always respected about you is how you came in, and I know you faced adversity mm-hmm. with the city, with oh, some yeah. of the staff. I know yeah. you faced adversity with people from the street, yeah. and I've always respected how you went ahead and pushed forward because you had a goal. Yeah. So. Where did you start doing things with missions? Well, I, you know, actually the first sermon I ever preached, I was 16 mm. uh, in Chicago, Bert. Okay. And it was at the uh, Olive Street, Olive Branch Mission. Forgive me, I'm probably getting the name wrong. Oh, no, but uh, uh, we did, our youth group did a little missions trip. Uh, to the inner city of Chicago there. And uh, the youth pastor put me up and, uh, man, I just started the Lord just started speaking through me. But at the same time, there was a little bit of pride there because there was a lady in the front. She just started breaking down and crying in the middle of my message. And I'm thinking, man, I'm good. (laughs) And, uh, well, she got so boisterous, they finally escorted her out, the staff. And, Mm -hmm. uh, well, I saw her immediately after our time there. She beelined straight for the liquor store right next to the mission. You're like, maybe I failed. That was early, uh, you know, Lord teaching me some humbleness. Yeah, she was crying because she's like, is this guy ever going to (laughs) stop? But it's always been there, you know. In mission work, and this is so common, it is certainly the case for me. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you dream of doing when you grow big and get to be an adult? This type of thing. I mean, rescue mission work is nowhere on the list. I mean, mm-hmm. I got into my my goal was to kind of be like you now, Bert, to pastor this this church mm-hmm. and spend my time this in that not world. my goal so this was not my goal was to do what you're doing <laughs> well you want to trade does god have a sense of humor <laughs> he or does what? he don't care but, what we want but, he, does, uh, he knows what he's calling us to right but, and you were obviously called to this well i think so and you know it started 25 years ago really mm-hmm. uh, down in denver uh, my wife and i Long story, just moved there no, no, on, on faith and uh, God just weaving uh, this tapestry. I was just at, uh, have gone through uh, tremendous brokenness. You know, there's the old statement in our world, mm-hmm. you, you, you've, you've been there. Mm-hmm. And those of us engaged with rescue mission work, we've been there. We've mm-hmm. been broken different right. ways, right. but it's that point in your life where you realize you're just hangling hanging by this thread dangling by it uh, over a pit of hell Mm -hmm. metaphorically but unless god intervenes 
and uh, that awareness that uh, you don't know Jesus is all you need till Jesus is all you got. Amen. And that's that's right. what attracted me to this work, and part of it a little bit of discontent in being past a pastor. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to be out there, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, having our people really make a difference, and not just have this little kind of heaven's waiting room or, or a little religious club. Which right. I think uh, there's the, the the local church is profoundly uh, sanctified and, and mm-hmm. blessed and commissioned by the Lord. Um, at the same time, we've got work to do. Right. we got to realize we were sent to others. Yeah. We were sent to build disciples. We were not sent to gather up and have lunch. Yeah. And you know, this I this agree. is our uh, mission, uh, vision, really, is you know, we nurture sanctuaries of radical hospitality where those in need can encounter the transforming love of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. thus propelling the church into the lead role of alleviating poverty uh, mm-hmm. here in Wyoming. So uh, when I came, yeah, we got on a bit of the uh, proverbial Wyoming bucking horse. Oh, and, my goodness. Uh, and you found out how independent thinking we are, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. I've got a little uh, Texan in my roots. I was born and reared down there, and yeah. I think we share that in common, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, our people are tough, but, you know, God is tougher. And uh, out of the pandemic, there was a lot of pressure on our work, tremendous pressure. You know, oh, yeah. what do you, how do you home quarantine when you don't have a home? You know, right. we couldn't close. And so our theme scripture became Hebrews 10 uh, into last verse uh, that says, we are not of those who shrink back in fear and are destroyed, but those who believe and are saved. Several different Amen. translations of that. That's but, a good word. But Jesus has got it, and he loves this work, uh, caring for those in need. Okay, so when you first came here, it's a little bitty building. Yeah. And then you guys eventually expanded. How long was it before you started to expand? About uh, four years. You know, I came here, uh, the board uh, wanted to, saw the need to expand. And Mm -hmm. in fact, our building was uh, an amazing story in and of itself back then. Let's hear it. It was the uh, coded. Uh, building it was a brothel back in the day oh and well, that uh, explains so much yes i know <laughs> and uh, so we spent you know you look at old pictures of it when it was coded back in the uh, 80s roughly yeah it's like my gosh it should have been torn down then but <laughs> yeah, we got no another kidding. 30 years out of that building right and uh, you know god transformed that building just like he did does people and right uh, but we were out of space and we needed to grow and you know when i came we were really at a crossroads. I mean, oh, yeah. we either expand and become fully relevant to the need that's here in the community and really throughout the state because mm-hmm. uh, we're only one of four shelters in mm-hmm. uh, what's, you know, the 10th largest geographic state. Right. Uh, so if you're, you know, 60, 100 miles from here, um, I mean, we're, we're serving a 200-mile diameter. Without but, a doubt. So we had to grow, and uh, but it it took a little time, you know. Right. And uh, so about uh, f- uh, four uh, four years in is where we really started leaning into that process. So then, when you started, and you guys ended up building the building that you have now, the main building. Yes. Okay, and you guys had, like, women in one place. They were in a completely different area, and you had some of the disciples and discipleship program, and it literally over in Evansville, which is a little ways away. Uh, I mean, you've had uh, several things there that, that uh, 
you were you were literally putting people in corners are like we're going to keep yeah. these we're going to help get them sober yeah. and that became kind of a focus it's not about being a mission that is about putting people uh just feeding them but actually yeah. feeding them the Christ yes we want them to encounter that unconditional love that Jesus gives all of us. And I know that when you truly started the discipleship program, I mean, there was a little bit of one going before, but nothing like it is now. I mean, there are literally people that come here from Florida to go through this program. You have uh, Anna Cooper, who's been on the show before. She came from Nebraska Mm -hmm. to this mission. Her parents called me and says, what can we do to help our daughter? I said, well, you bring her to the mission. And they said, with homeless people, I said no. With broken people, cool. That yeah. I did not realize you were the connection with Anna coming yeah. here. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, and now she works here. She does. She's you know, full time staff. Absolutely. And uh, you know, uh, when when we've had several of the guys that I've had coming out of prison or even out of the jail, this is always I'm like, well, why don't you give that? Well, it's because it's a homeless shelter. Yeah. No, dude, it's a program that will help save your life. Do you want to learn to live sober or not? Yeah. There was a there was a relatively well known homeless guy, a book same kind of different as me, Ron Hall. Oh yeah. In fact, he yeah. did a whole movie about it. But right. the main character who was homeless, Denver who Mm -hmm. really turned his life around through this relationship he said you know we're really all homeless just working our way home and and that's funny that you bring that up because we have people that come here and it's like well i I may be in a tough spot but i'm not one of those people right they they put themselves at this little higher level i'm at least not that and it's a pride you know but that's the pride that needs broken in a person in order for them to start healing yeah and the awareness that without Christ, ultimately, we have nothing. And uh, those of us that are stable and well, you know, it's hard for a lot of middle class folk to understand homelessness. But, you know, we're we're a function of the network that surrounds us. And so many of our people just weren't fortunate to have that. So Uh, what do you think leads most people to living on the street? Trauma, uh, and and I, I need to um, um, characterize that word a little bit better because it's overly used. Uh, you know, yeah, we're, oh yeah. we're all, you know, I fell off the slide. I, yeah. I'm traumatized. Yeah, we're all you know, PTSD to yeah, death. PTSD, but I mean, severe. That's a serious thing, but we're. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. But I mean, severe. Uh, so many of our people, uh, early childhood, were terribly abused Mm -hmm. Uh, unspeakable things very true now with anna's situation i I don't know she could have just gotten caught up in a bad crowd and she's just hanging out with the wrong kids i've met her parents parents. she's got a great family so she's a bit of the exception there with Mm -hmm. a lot of the folks that we see but uh we are in a crisis nationally right now and it's all around the issue of mental health and addiction right. uh, on the streets. Now we're the least populated state in America, but we still have the same problems. Absolutely. We don't have the hardcore street population like the big cities. Thank God. Oh, we're, it tries to develop here. It, but it I, tries. It tries to develop, but that is one thing this shelter does is break that. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it works on that. And I mean, it's down to where the police say, why aren't you at the shelter? Yeah. Well, you know? we've had people hitchhiking dead of winter out, mm-hmm. out on the highway, and a state trooper literally says, you can uh, either uh, go to the mission or jail. You yeah. know, it's just not safe for you to be out here. Right, so right. You know, folks say, oh, I think I'll go to the mission. That sounds mm-hmm. better. But, yeah. Yeah, breaking the cycle is huge, and just that care and dignity, and that was really the vision for the new building. We wanted that message that you are created in God's image 
you were created with dignity and purpose. You know, so often in the homeless arena, we take some tired, worn out building and we are just scraping by, you know, we're the pole helping the pole type of thing. Mm -hmm. And and we really wanted a building and thank God for donor partners that had that vision as well. Amen. Not just some utilitarian oil filled building, but uh, something that's just a little bit nicer. A lot of utility is in it. Yeah. A lot of practicality, but it speaks a message. And without a doubt. And now you don't just have the main building. Now in the main building, we have a, some housing, a little bit of the housing. Yeah. Uh, and then on the other end of that, we also have a place where you can eat. How many people can you fit in there when they eat? About 120 at once. Okay. We... And then on the other end of that, and I come down here on Thursdays, a lot of time, right when my class is getting ready to uh, finish a phase. Yeah. I come and start having lunch every week. Nice. And the reason I do is because then the new people that are coming in, I'm like, why don't you come to class today? And I nice. just sit and start busy. It's the only way I can That's make great. a connection. And uh, I just want to say they never turned me away from eating. So thank <laughs> and you. And the lunches are good, right? Yeah, the I lunches mean, are great. Our, you know, Phil Robertson said, don't serve slop. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, radical hospitality. You know, uh, my wife had a standard. When we started serving at the mission, um, Man, like 2006, um, she said that uh, I will not feed them anything. I would not feed Jesus sitting at my kitchen table. Wow, that's that's her heart, man. And that is that is where her her she every it eventually became where we had this thing down here called Holy Joe Burritos <laughs> and Death Corn. And the reason and Death Corn is actually a name of a corn that has so much butter in it that if you have high cholesterol, you'll be considered a solid after eating it. But uh, uh, embalming Roger, will not be needed. No, embalming will be. You'll still be. Guys. They'll be able to yeah. dig you up five years, and you'll be oh, good. Uh, Roger yeah. ate it one night, and uh, uh, he worked here back then, and he yeah. uh, ended up having a heart attack. Oh my gosh! And Christy was like, <laughs> "We're not serving Death Corn anymore. <laughs> we're we're building a bad reputation." You're the reason why we got the defibrillator <laughs> machine back there. But, yeah, exactly. So um, now across the street, you have apartment style setup. We do. Explain it, that it, a little it, bit. It's a home-like setting. I mean, this was our goal with the expansion is to really create a campus in one location. As mm-hmm. you mentioned early on, you know, we had so many people prior to the expansion where we were literally partnering with the city for mm-hmm. temporary cold weather shelter for women. So, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, main shelter, uh, which we call Park Street Center, that's the that's where it all begins. Mm-hmm. But then uh, at least 30%, it's probably more, you know, 30% of our folks say they are homeless due to a life-controlling chemical substance uh, issue. Right. Uh, though 50% say I have had addiction issues. So, mm-hmm. but to create uh, a place for our 12-month discipleship recovery program. So you start off in the shelter, a dorm of up to 40 people, mm-hmm. but then when you make that commitment of your life for a year of recovery mm-hmm. with Christ, we want to get you in a home-like setting. So that's what's across the street, mm-hmm. uh, Men's and Women's Recovery Center, and, and they're separate buildings. They're separate buildings from each other. They're separate from the main shelter. And mm-hmm. if you go in, it's kind of like a big group home. You know, oh, it is. Shared kitchen, and uh, you, you have a, a roommate in each room. A little bit of accountability, but more freedom, uh, more trust, more respect. Yeah, here not too long ago, I had to drop something off to one of the uh, people staying here. And um, 
So I went to the desk, said, hey, I need to see this person. They said, oh, he's across the street. I'll take you over. So they take me in. And when I, I went in there, everybody was sitting around watching TV. And uh, what was beautiful is that when I got in, they all welcomed me to their home. Nice. And wow. they said, Pastor, will you pray over our house? And, will wow. you, you know, so they had me going around and praying over their house. I'm like, guys, I've got other things to do wow. today. And they're like, not more important than this. And I said, you're <laughs> right, not more important than this. So we ended up doing all that. Yeah. It was it was uh, great. They they take great uh, pride in there. And I know that yeah. there's also some very strict rules there are... with this. We have to maintain sobriety. Absolutely. I mean, we're treating the whole person, you know, Mm -hmm. body, soul, mind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of that is just learning some basic habits, you know, basic hygiene, this type of thing. And Mm -hmm. they're all joining together to keep it clean. Mm -hmm. We have uh, assignments for chores for everybody. Don't charge a dime. Uh, Our amazing donor partners, along with our thrift store operation, provide Mm -hmm. for the cost of all of this. And so, but at the same time, there's always something you can give back. You're now a part of the ministry right? when you come in. And that that is a key thing with this that I, I, I want to make sure gets pointed out is that this isn't a place they just go sit and do uh, nothing all day, hang out and chat. They've got classes. How many classes do they attend in general a week? Well, we're, we're doing two classes pretty much a day, mm-hmm. if not more. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there are at least 10 classes uh, throughout the week. And, and then a part of that, uh, a um, another class, which we call servanthood training. So, mm-hmm. Uh, they go over at the stores and learning uh, basic job skills, customer services type of thing, just showing up on time. But it's their way to give back as well. And there's also a physical fitness assistance. We have a membership up at the YMCA for everybody, teaching nutrition class, doing AA, Celebrate Recovery over at uh, Highland Park. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I, I go over to that all the time just to kind of catch up and see how people are doing that have uh, graduated from here. It's to be intense but yet nurturing at the same time mm-hmm. so it's a bit of a school environment that we have for the folks i mean and right. at night they've got homework they're mm-hmm. uh, you know and and the hardest work is on oneself you know to really right. allow and to begin to unpack some very dark hurtful uh, areas of one's life and and to begin to allow the lord to heal that but they're living in community and, and homelessness is nothing more than a function of loss of healthy supportive relationship that's a good word so many of our people languish in isolation so that's why they're in the the home they do have a little bit of privacy and independence but it's a community as well absolutely uh you know one of the other things uh the class that i teach on thursdays uh dave named it i didn't name it i want to point that out is the <laughs> Bert's hour of power you know oh, uh, but what i i've always tried to do is that's where i tear down bad religious thought uh and we i said well let's see what the bible says about that i literally have never planned a class ever I go in there, and it's, what do you guys have questions about? And then we build the whole rest of the class around one or two questions. And I say, well, let me show you how all that ties together. Wow. And so then we we bounce around and do that. But it gives them an opportunity to actually, always my goal is, by the time you leave my class, 
if I tell you to go to First Corinthians, you know where it's located. Mm. If I tell you to go to uh, Ecclesiastes, you're able to find yeah. it. And uh, you know, and to understand the link from the the front of the Bible to the back of the Bible, and that there is a common thread through the whole thing, which is the expansion yeah. of Christ. And you know, uh, I've had other pastors come here and sit in those classes, nice with me, and walk out going. Our church doesn't know half the things you just taught these people. And I know that that's not just from me. From the other pastors and the other volunteers here, you have some of the greatest teachers in our community. Oh, man. Uh, and they are, these, these folks are walking out more Christian, educated with a biblical point, uh, a worldview, as opposed to a world biblical, you know, uh, a worldview, they are walking out of here with a whole new mindset. This is this is the beauty of it, Bert. I mean, as I mentioned, our vision statement is propelling the church into the lead role. Mm-hmm. Even as us as staff, it would be easy to be selfish and mm-hmm. let it be all about us mm-hmm. and us doing. But we create that sacred space where our partners in Christ can come in and, but then we want that connection with a healthy relationship, a healthy role model. You know, it's just not the people paid to do this type of a thing. Well, and the key thing is, is that it is the church. And And when I say the church, I mean, I'm a Lutheran coming in here and, uh, but there's also, uh, Baptist pastors uh, that are in here. There are uh, Pentecostals, there's uh, Methodists, there's all types uh, uh, in here. And this is the way the church functions. We yes. function as a body. We may worship in different houses, but yeah. we should be able to flow. And I uh, personally feel that the mission is the number one place in a- that enables the entire church body of our community, the yes. Church of Casper, we call it, to come together to actually do a purpose without stepping on each other. This is the ethos of the whole mission Mm -hmm. movement. We come together around the irreducible element of our faith, which bottom line, Jesus Christ. Absolutely. We may have different spends on charismatic gifts, that that type of thing. We, we leave though, you know, how to be baptized, Mm -hmm. just focused on the essentials of our faith here. You know, I've invited a couple of those other teachers when I've had students um, tell me that, well, you, you teach different than so-and-so. And I said, great. So I go grab so-and-so and say, hey, I need you at my next class. Okay. They come strolling in, and we go through my take, his take on anything, such as baptism, for example. And I explain my end. He explains his end, and at the end, what they see is that we're not in conflict with each other. Yes. We just have a different point of view, yeah. Yeah. and that and that I fully support what he is saying, yeah. and he fully supports what I am saying, and that uh, they all of a sudden go, but but he, Bert, you are a Lutheran, and he is a Baptist, and you two have been at odds for five hundred years, <laughs> and I'm like, no, we yeah. haven't. We yeah. have what we have in those moments is is some differences, but they're not so different that it should separate us. The greater issue in is what we have been admonished throughout all the scripture. I mean, even ancient Israel, there was the grassroots homegrown structure to care for the poor. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is how Ruth met Boaz and, mm-hmm. and became in the lineage of, of Jesus. Ultimately, Absolutely. I mean, we are to be 
the hands and feet of God, caring for those in need. And that's the next central theology right. after faith in Jesus. Right. Well, and and where we really truly see that is in the book of Acts, is that understand when they went ahead and needed to call forth a 12th apostle, the replacement repo- apostle, mm-hmm. we'll call him, Matthias, when they called him, it was because of a complaint from the Hellenists. Pagans were complaining that the church wasn't helping their people because they had adapted so much to, hey, uh, those people help our people. We need those people. Yeah. And uh, so, it, I mean, the the church literally grew out of its serving people that didn't even believe the way they believed. But it is through that love for one another. Jesus says, uh, the, he will know you are my disciples by your love for mm. one another, not your yeah. separation yeah. or your theology yeah. or anything to that effect. And I think that uh, down here, the Church of Casper uh, does a very good job of showing we can worship it the way we want to worship in our houses, in our Amen. churches. Yeah. But when it comes to Christ, we share Surely. Christ, period. Yeah. We What we do We're is it done. we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us into the places that we need to be, no matter what your your uh, denomination or yeah. non-denomination is. And I, I just, man, just from the church, I yeah. want to say thank you, wow. Brad, for letting us have that opportunity. Uh, uh, because, uh, you know, I always encourage them when they say, well, what church should I go to? Should I go to your church? I said, well, let me explain my church. Yeah. And they said, well, I was raised a, you know, a Southern Baptist. Great. Let me tell you about pastor so-and-so. And yeah. why don't you go try his church? Check it out. Because right. I'm not about growing a church building. What I'm about is growing the body of Christ. And that's what these other pastors are, too. We're not out here no. trying to build a flock. Right. What we're yeah. doing is growing the kingdom of God. Connecting people with them Absolutely. is what it's all about. And, and they got to find a place in which they can serve. But I always tell them, don't go to a church uh, that feeds you. You go to a church that you can help feed the guy next to you. Totally. I love what you say about the word of God and getting people into the word. Mm-hmm. One of another one, and we teach our people, and this is mm-hmm. the hardest thing, no matter where your walk is with Jesus, is the promises of God are real and they're true. This whole building, this whole structure, this whole process is proof of that. Mm-hmm. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not, will not prevail. Will not prevail. And so we're reaching in. On the other side of those gates, we're taking them on. Now, I've seen some other interesting things that happen around here. I mean, just for example, yesterday when I was teaching, everybody had new glasses. Oh, cool. You know, I'm just now hearing about this one. (laughs) Well, I know that you guys have partners that come along help and help with the purchasing of uh, eyeglass because they have physical issues. And you also are set up for, um, I know, uh, Ken Nybert, which is a great dentist and a good friend and a great singer. Um, He uh, helps with their teeth. What Kent does, Dr. Nybert. Dr. Nybert. He is, uh, I I don't think there's anybody else like him in the United States. There's nobody like him on the planet. No, we're so fortunate to have him here. I mean, he not only helps clean up, you know, a lot of our people have some serious dental issues. He'll help intervene, clean up. 
Exactly, but from then, drug use, et cetera, et cetera. But it yeah. gives them a new look on themselves. Oh, and he is all about Jesus. And mm-hmm. while they're there with their mouth wide open and he's ramming you know, whatever instrument mm-hmm. in there, he's praying over them. You know, oh, yeah, he's talking to them about the Lord. And it's his ministry. But then he rewards the people in a sense. But, you know, it, being a good steward because mm-hmm. it's not – cheap for him mm-hmm. uh, in fact he raises the funds but he'll outfit our disciples with a, a set of dentures if, if they so need so absolutely it's an amazing ministry yeah he has done fantastic things i just uh i just admire him and i you know i've i've worked with him in the county jail several times so through the years etc he uh, i don't there is not another person like him no. he is one of those most incredible yeah. gifted uh, people at, that with the true heart of Christ. He, he robbed the gene pool, Bert. Absolutely. Know, so somehow got the short end of the <laughs> stick. But yeah, no, cool. And what you said, you know, with him, uh, the eyeglasses, mm-hmm. medical clinic, I mm-hmm. mean, we allow the body of Christ here. It's just that place where the full body can come together and serve, you know. Legal well, help is another issue for our people. So, absolutely. So how, how does that end up working with the legal end of things? Well, there is legal aid, but there are a couple of attorneys that we know about that if the situation fits, we can get a little help for our people. And, and we've had some guys, you know, with some pretty tough past. And uh, sometimes we're just calling out on the name of the Lord. You know, one of our discipleship recovery folks, he uh, was wanted down in Arizona, and mm-hmm. uh, he got enrolled in Casper College, was on the honor roll, and mm-hmm. uh, they wanted to yank him out of there to finish off his time. And mm-hmm. In fact, even the University of Wyoming, when he went on, would not let him in because he was a violent felon. Well, right. you know, he beat a guy up in jail. I can yep. kind of understand that scenario. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there was a lot more to that. But, you know... Uh, calls and uh key people who knew and loved the lord here doing Mm -hmm. advocacy and god just made that all go away absolutely and i i've watched that happen a few times where i have had uh a young lady that worked here for a while misty okay misty johnson well her name is misty johnson harris misty harris mrs harris yeah mrs harris and uh one thing with that it happened with her she had a bunch of things that needed cleaned up and and while she was here she's like man i think i'm gonna go back to jail and i said are you okay with that and she goes yeah, I mean, it's whatever we need to do, but I need all of my history to die. Yeah. And uh, the Lord definitely did a deliverance uh, on that whole situation. Oh, so and, uh, I mean, we've seen miracle. If people don't oh. believe in miracles, all they need to do is be down here for one single day. You know, it, it's, it's, it's such tension in our faith between what we know our God is and mm-hmm. the reality of what we're looking at. You know, mm-hmm. it's the disciples in the storm, in the boat that they thought we die, mm-hmm. you know, and Jesus rebuked to them as you know, why aren't you using your faith? Why aren't you putting it to work? And so that's what we're teaching our people. And they each have a storm, you know, like what mm-hmm. you mentioned with Merit, uh, Misty, John's another mm-hmm. one. But, and it's like, you know, we don't see, we don't know how God's going to work this out, but he is, Absolutely. you know, he may want you to go back and serve a little time, but guess what? You're now a missionary, right? You know? You're now on the inside sharing Jesus, and it's incredible to how many end up back in there. That those guys and those ladies that are in jail, they are incarcerated and doing time, are pointing people to get help. 
I, and they're I'm, like, dude, if you want to live sober, you you really want to be clean. This is how you do it. I mean, those are our greatest missionaries. Oh, talking about First Corinthians, the foolish things of the world, mm-hmm. shaming the wise. I'm mm-hmm. convinced some of God's most profound ministry is within the prison. Absolutely. And these are our society throwaways, just like the homeless. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Jesus also said, "By your fruits you shall know them." He's really talking about false leaders, prophets, mm-hmm. teachers. I think we've got a lot of folks in leadership in our nation right now. You just look at what's happening on the streets. Mm-hmm. We need Jesus. We More need the church ever. badly. Absolutely. And you know when we when we take a look at a couple of things like uh, as we've seen people get recovered and we've seen them, what does that that look like uh, when they leave the mission? Because the part of the, one of the phase is that they start getting a regular job and yeah. they start branching out themselves. Have you had pretty good success with that? Well, we just did a little uh, research on that, Bert, and mm-hmm. we've discovered 84% Eighty, of that's, our that's That's up full, from, what, from the 78% it was like yeah, eight so years ago or something They're like maintaining that. Uh, independence and sobriety a year after fully exiting the mission. You do realize that is like the highest numbers in the United States. Oh, yeah. For I recovery. Mean, I'm, I'm dead serious. Well, I, I hear from the other folks, 5% is a good number yeah, for them. Yeah, they, they would be content. 5%, they would be yeah. content with 5%. They, they would. There's such pressure. I mean, we're, we're awash in alcohol and, you mm-hmm. know, of course, with the more uh, liberal attitudes on marijuana, that mm-hmm. type of thing, it's just leading people astray down down a terrible road of destruction and you know we're, we're the exit ramp here but i'll have to say as people are looking to leave the mission it's one of the most scariest moments of their life without I mean, a doubt our people are terrified uh, so many have come out of just such terrible backgrounds this is the most safety the most love mm-hmm. uh, the most sense of belonging they've ever had in their life and you really need five years in the recovery world, Bert. I mean, just practically speaking, we're giving them a year and we've seen the struggle through the years. One of our long-term plans was to create a sober living opportunity after graduation. So Mm -hmm. I'm really excited. Uh, We were able to acquire a nearby house. We've got seven guys graduate sober living. They're paying a little bit. So the mission's covering our cost. That's part of of looking at uh, how to live. The world isn't free. No, and it's another step to get ready to full independence. But absolutely, staying connected to the community is critical, mm-hmm. absolutely critical for recovery. Absolutely. And, you know, the other part of that, even with, in general, especially with men, uh, making a living is part of being a man. Totally. Okay. And uh, the same is uh, counting your value. Uh, you know, one thing that we discuss in class all the time is that you have to recognize your worth because the devil works every day to try to get you and yeah. Jesus died for you. So that tells me that your value must be pretty stinking high. Oh, uh, without, you can't even put a price tag on it. And, you know, we tend to look at work as kind of that dirty four-letter word, mm-hmm. word, but as you say, it is a privilege. I mean, God, God's God. He could do everything himself, but he says, hey, Bert, hey, Brad, I want you to do this. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do it, well, I, I guess I'll have to find somebody else, but it's not going to get done for a while. The very first thing he gave Adam was not a wife. He gave him a J-O-B, man. He gave him a job. You're going to name the animals. You're going to tend the the ground. Study those animals. Yeah, he literally 
uh, gave him a job right off. It's a part of our natural being. I think that was a way that God taught Adam about himself. Absolutely. Big elephant, big God, you know, yeah. little hummingbird. Yeah. Delicate, artistic uh, God. That's beautiful. So. That, that's an absolute fact. And the other thing is we realize that when God was speaking things into existence and creating, oh, that's yeah. a work. You just, you know, he he was doing that because it's a sense uh, we're made in the image of the creator. So we are also made to be creative. Totally. You know, and that's one. Uh, another thing I see here is that uh, you surprisingly all the time on your staff, it always makes me laugh that you all of a sudden discover you have these incredible musicians that have been hiding behind oh the gosh. desk. Yeah. And then they have these incredible voices. I mean, Anna, <laughs> for example, she sings at my church. And yeah. when, when she sings, it's just like, what? Yeah. Setting the butterfly free. Yeah, absolutely. You. And, you know, uh, the beauty of all of these things strung together is that what we're seeing is that God's given a, a point here in Casper. He's given us an opportunity here in Casper to actually do the work in which we are called to do, which is to serve and to yeah. show love and to show grace to those that the world has given up on. Yeah, yeah. And as we approach in this, the one thing that happens is we are able to see people. It's beautiful for me anyway to run into people uh, 5, 10, uh, years down the road and go, oh, I remember you. And I'm like, oh, don't remember the messenger. Just remember the message. It's okay. And they're yeah. like, no, dude, you had said, and I don't even remember what I said to him. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it was something that shaped him. And then they, they will go through and start telling me about each of the teachers that they've had here mm -hmm. yeah. that helped create and shape their decision-making moving yeah. forward. And it's beautiful. Oh, I, I've run into so many people, people that I didn't even recognize and, mm -hmm. or, or, or knew, probably maybe didn't even get a chance to meet them and say, you know, Wyoming Rescue Mission saved my life. You know, some mm -hmm. clerk at the truck oh, yeah. stop or uh, somebody working somewhere and you just start talking and they perk up and here and it's like, Wow, you know. So about how many people do you have pass through the mission in a year? You know, we are here uh, on the shelter, uh, the main homeless grounds, mm -hmm. uh, you know, about 11, 1,200 a year uh, throughout the entire mission, 2,500, we believe, mm -hmm. uh, as we're serving the poor with clothing and furniture through the thrift store. Now, I, I want to point out that Casper, Wyoming, and the surrounding areas is right at about seventy-five to 80,000 people at max. Yeah, yeah. And so the numbers that he's throwing out there, I want you to think about your, your people where you're living in a city with millions. If you take and that, we're comparative to you in our yeah. percentage here. And so the one thing you need to realize is that your shelter needs your help. I mean, it, you as the church, uh, you know, I have people coming to me all the time and say, well, uh, what is the church doing about uh, the homeless situation? And I always ask the same question. What are you doing about it? Oh, well, I'm helping feed them sandwiches. Great. Then that's what the church is doing. Yeah. Well, what are you yeah. doing? Don't worry about what I'm doing. Yeah. You're the church. Yeah. What's okay. our calling? The minister's getting the people ready to do ministry. Absolutely. So it, it's a constant state of trying to get people to uh, live in the action of our Christian faith. Yeah. And I think that's another great opportunity that you don't think about. We, we talk here, uh, to Brad, we talk here about all you're doing for the people that are homeless, all the people with mental issues, mm -hmm. um, with addiction issues, et cetera. We talk about all we do there. I don't think you realize uh, the impact that you have within the church 
by partnering with us mm-hmm. to allow us to work together. Yeah. Just like I was wow. telling you about working with these other pastors, that this place has become one of those things that uh, if we couldn't agree on anything else, we agree on this. This is our DNA. This this is the fabric of who we are. Absolutely. Without the local body of Christ, we simply would not be here. I mean, that it was a collection of churches that founded us in 1978, the old uh, Souls Anchor you mm-hmm. were talking about. By the way, there's a pastor in Douglas who went there uh, with his single mom uh, mm-hmm. as a youngster. He's now a pastor. Praise I mean, that's God. that's the impact. That's the impact. We we were so feeble, and 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 people just leaned in. We had hardly n- nothing to run, nothing at the time, but mm-hmm. yet we follow God in faith and obedience. And without those steps, we would not be talking today, Bert. Mm-hmm. And we would continue to not be the mission if it wasn't for you. Uh, represented other partners coming in right. to serve. Well, and you know, you realize that there, it's all the little people you never see. I mean, I, I fortunately, I have a, I have a, a platform all the time, man, because I'm just, uh, you know, I'm a very shy person. Oh, yeah, yeah. You I, know, I, I, I barely, I, I had to chase bar- you down to introduce myself. Yeah, yeah. So. I, yeah. <laughs> no, I usually am like knock people down. Hey, man, who are you? You know, he said. Dude, I think he had me by the shirt collar. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I love the story you tell about the chief of police calling you. Yeah. Oh, I tell, tell you. That, give, give us that story. Crazy stuff around here. You know, new chief of police and, you know, for whatever reason, just concerned about the homeless. Because you're going to uh, uh, laugh at the end of this story. I've got a new part for this. So, honestly, I, I think we've had a little bit of a trouble. I, and I think it's just part of spiritual warfare, too. People... Mm-hmm just not understanding uh, what's going on and and who we are and what we're really about, but that somehow, you know, we're harboring criminals and we're Mm -hmm. this attractive nuisance to the city, Mm -hmm. a lack of awareness that, you know, you got all these dive motels and Mm -hmm. dilapidated trailer parks where people are just languishing. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. barely making it. Maybe they're not up to good stuff, but uh, talking to the chief about some of these concerns and he says, and there's even reports of, uh, uh, motorcycle gangs down there, Brad. In fact, you know, this is the same department that mm-hmm. thought we were, uh, you know, uh, posting billboards down in Colorado, advertising for the homeless to come mm-hmm. here. I was like, I, I'd like a photograph of that just so I know who can, who I can call, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> never mm-hmm. saw a photo. Send but, us uh, money. <laughs> but uh, I said, what? You know, this is not too long after we got the nice new shelter mm-hmm. uh, constructed. And I'm like, what on earth is he talking about? And I look down the street, and there's a couple of nice uh, Harleys backed up uh, to the curb there. And I'm like, oh, uh, you know. And well, it, I, and I told Chief, I said, well, it's just a guy named Bert, you know. And, well, subsequently, I didn't really know you super well at the time. Right. You, you did a, a autobiography, and I right. got a hold – a hold of that and and read it and i'm like oh (laughs) (laughs) now i know why a chief was was worried yeah (laughs) somebody ran the license plate on the bike Mm -hmm. and thought this dude's got a pass we got it we got to keep an eye on that mission down there yeah you want to know the funny thing about that guy he ended up leaving the police department you know that he retired out of the police or left out of the police department. They replaced him with a different chief. I just want to let you know that I see him every week. Wow. Because he sits in the pews of my church. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I just wanted to share that with you. His son occasionally has helped me out down here, et cetera. And he, um, 
the funny thing is, is that all of the law enforcement I didn't get along with uh, back when I was uh, uh, being a thug, uh, handing out, being a thug instead of handing out hugs, you know. Yeah. Um, what ended up happening is uh, when I was in jail, I had a Lieutenant um, uh, uh, Clark, um, Jerry Clark, and that guy told me I would never preach in that jail. Mm. Okay. But then there came this day when I preached at a funeral of a friend of his and mine and he said, why don't you call me? And then I, I started in that jail and I, him and I became such good friends that when he passed away, I, I preached at his funeral. Wow. And, uh, you know, the thing is, is that God can overcome anything. Amen. But, uh, you know, the one thing that happens in the, in this environment here at this mission is we have a, an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to actually p- propel people into sharing the gospel. And one thing you guys do is an outreach. You guys have a day where you do an outreach with phase two people, right? Yes, and volunteers and from volunteers. the community, local yeah. church folk yep. coming in. And you guys always do it when I'm teaching class, so I don't oh, go. I have I to we've teach got class. one this afternoon here. That's your class, but yeah, it, it's uh, an amazing thing. Uh, you know, with some of the concerns here downtown, mm-hmm. homeless. I mean, I, I still think we haven't taken ownership for some of the issues that we have with our darling teenagers. But anyhow, mm-hmm. that's aside mm-hmm. from the fact. There's an apparent need, you know, by the library around our best mm-hmm. depot and, you know, the drug trading element, prostitution, that type of thing. And mm-hmm. some of them thinking that they kind of own that little area mm-hmm. and driving through and just praying over it. And I thought, you know, we need to go in there. I mean, mm-hmm. this is what Jesus said to do. I mean, leave the 99. Let's go find the hundredth sheep out there. And mm-hmm. so we started the street outreach just to uh, offer to pray with people to hear them out, to give them a, a bottle of water, mm-hmm. uh, to give them information and about th- the mission. I want to point out that this is the people that live at the mission doing outreach for the mission. I mean, this yeah. is literally the mission of Christ in motion with people that are still struggling in their own stuff, yeah. reaching out to others because the best way to get healed is to teach. You know, that's, I always tell them, you want to hang on to everything you've learned, teach it to somebody else. And it's the vision, you know, what we were talking about work, mm-hmm. you know, Ephesians, Paul said, let him who stole steal no more mm-hmm. work to provide for yourself and your family mm-hmm. that you may have extra to share with others. I, on the way in, I saw Nate, he, if you saw him, you'd mm-hmm. think he's a little bit crazy. He mm-hmm. talks to himself quite a bit, mm-hmm. but through this outreach, he has received a personal calling from the Lord Amen. to reach the people on the streets. And that's okay. Uh, I, I, it, it's it's beautiful. But we've had people, there was a guy, and it really started uh, with some of the issues at the Econo Lodge uh, Motel that squatters had broken into and mm-hmm. were drugging prostitution and went over to look at that. And uh, uh, our mayor that was there with us said, hey, there's some people living under the bridge. And I said, Jesse, I said, well, let's go check it out. Mm-hmm. So we went up under the viaduct on Poplar Street right, right next to the river here, and there's a tent up under there mm-hmm. and a body. And I'm like, oh, man, I hope hope they're alive. Right. But then you're also thinking maybe they jump out with a knife or something. Mm-hmm. And so hollered, body moves, and uh, quickly sits up. And it's a guy, uh, Ron, uh, who will be getting a certificate here uh, early March. Oh, I love Ron. Going into phase three. Right. uh, Beautiful blue eyes around Mm -hmm. this gnarled up, broken face. (laughs) Yeah. And 
I, I said, man, you, it, you don't have to live like this, Rod. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like this. No. And he said, I need help. Mm-hmm. I said, what can we do, man? Mm-hmm. I, I need that discipleship program. Mm-hmm. I said, let's clean slate, brother. Let's get you in. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, in the worst way, I wanted to drive him there. And I thought, you know, the work lesson we're talking mm-hmm. about, if he's serious, he needs to get himself there. You're right. You're 100% right. And I'll be darned if he wasn't there within 90 minutes. There you go. He packed up and beelined right for the mission. Mm-hmm. And that's what this street outreach is all about. I love it. That is beautiful. And we need we need to see more of that. But, you know, we got to have a place to send them. Yeah. And, you know, uh, here pretty soon, uh, on March 19th, <coughs> I was telling Dave, I'm going to have my uh, the bishop is coming in and uh our general secretary but i want to bring them through the mission they asked for you know one they said we need uh one thing within your community and what you do i said oh i can't think yeah. i do you know i could take them to jail i take them all out place but this is the one that has the impact this place truly has the impact. And I wanted to bring them here for this reason is that when they come and they walk through every step of this place, I want them to see what this should look like because they, uh, they're all over the world. I mean, the, the Bishop and, and Amy little, uh, the Bishop Dan Selbo is his name. They are all over the place, but I want them to start taking their pastors and going, no, let's go ahead and ship you to crazy Bert. <laughs> out in Casper, and then he can take you down there. And this is what we need to get ourselves involved in because I truly believe that uh, Casper is an epicenter, in my opinion. Um, Now, Dutch Sheets uh, prophesied over Casper and Don Hinton uh, back in the 90s, Mm. and uh, this is long before I was saved. But one of the things they said is that the revival and the uh, the development of the of of Christians starting to truly work together was going to explode from Casper. Why? Mm. Smallest, least populated state. Yeah, for starters, yeah. least likely place of people that would join together. And one thing that I will say about my church, I pray that my the that the Lutheran church in which I preach at, which is Prince of Peace Lutheran, which were NALC, the North American Lutheran Church, that is the least likely place uh, that uh, miracles would start taking place hmm. and stuff. And we see healings in that building. Wow! And uh, it, but what I would love to see is the implosion of grace and love to start to flow out of this place hey. that the darker the outside world looks that from this little uh, who what good could come from nazareth yes it's who we are i mean and, and and if all of a sudden wyoming becomes that epicenter to where that's ground zero for the yeah. things that changed all across our nation from one end to the other man i want to be in that oh we're in that game man Absolutely. this is where we're at i, I want i want to make sure that that uh I want to bring people here in order to show them because Brad, what you and the staff here does, the, the Dave Matthews, the uh, all of them, all of them, and I say Dave because him and I have just been friends forever and a day. But you know, the reality is this: is that um, the things that you are doing here are having eternal impact. It's it's an amazing gift, and you know, you mentioned Dave. He's representative, uh, myself for that matter, you, of a great 
uh, just tapestry of people. I mean, mm-hmm. this is beautiful thing. I mean, the, the new missions were our architect loves the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a whole process, our team, our board, uh, even the guest uh, community partners helping to design what we do here. It's custom built for the unique needs by the people of Jesus mm-hmm. for the need to minister. And, you know, the potential's there. I mean, you see the pattern. I love hearing about the prophecy. Mm-hmm. I believe it. I mean, we've sent a vice president from this town to mm-hmm. uh, the White House. Greater influences in store if we stick with Jesus Christ and Amen. step out in faith in him. And that's the key thing. Well, brother, we're, we're out of time. Man, this but has I, been fun. Yeah, I know. Everybody's always worried when the barbarian prophet shows up. No they, blood they, has been shed, folks, yeah, in yeah, this they, uh, interview. So. They're, they're always concerned that they're like, I don't know where he's going to go. But I'm <laughs> telling you, I just let the Holy Spirit take us wherever we need to go. And Love when it. we get there, it's just a beautiful thing. Uh, and, Brad, I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, uh, and this, it, this is from Bert Eldridge. Wow. Thank you. I thank you for the improvements that you have helped structure and create here in this, uh, because I've been with this thing for a long time. And uh, I can tell you that when you came on, you uh, brought in, you breathed new life into things, Mm -hmm. that the Lord definitely called you here, and he called you here with a purpose and an intention in order for for that explosion, that epicenter to be created here. And Appreciate I am it. just, Thank you. I am truly thankful for you. You know, I, I've been at places where they hand you awards, et cetera. And yeah. I am, no, no, I know you're a very humble man. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you what, man, all of those things will stay here. They will. But the crowns that Christ is going to give you for all of these things, wow. I just cannot, Wow. I cannot wait to be one of the people in line man. in heaven, shaking your hand, saying, wow. thank you man. for sharing Christ with me. Because as we traveled together, you encouraged me to be better than I was. That that'll be that'll be the award. That is the true reward. Stories of all that God was doing. Things he 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 lets us see a little bit of the glory, but not too much. He wants us dependent on Him, but someday we'll see it fully. Amen. So thanks for joining us today, Bert. Honored. Thanks. I appreciate you. We're going to close out here, folks. So. I just want to say... For questions or comments, please email us at info at thebarbarianprophet.com. The Barbarian Prophet is a registered trademark of Barbarian Media Group. Listening to this podcast may cause excitability, euphoria, and overall sense of happiness and the realization that you're not alone. Discontinue use if reddened skin or a rash develops. Side effects may include random hugging, crying out loud, smiling while alone, and happy crying combined with snot bubble development. Do not use during church service. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Are you actually still listening? Seriously, we have nothing more to say except for that one thing that was really, really, really important, but let's wait until the next show for that. that one more thing that i definitely do not want to leave off the end of this is that you got somebody that needs help reach out and help them and if you've got a church that wants to know how this works you can just reach out to me at prince of peace lutheran church in casper wyoming or you could call brad down here at the at the uh wyoming central Rescue Rescue Mission. Say that one more time. Wyoming Rescue Mission. Wyoming Rescue Mission. And uh, I'm telling you, you want to see miracles, you've got to pursue after Christ. So just remember, Jesus loves you, and I love you. 
and there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop us. See you next time on The Barbarian Prophet.